Hi Bob. Um, kind of comes to the conclusion I know what I'm wearing for the Bob Graham now, which is good after about five years of trying. Um, so I thought I'd give you a body part by body part update, starting with the feet. Probably wear the uh, Hocker Jaws, which are the sort of lightweight, aggressive ones for for leg one and leg three and maybe four as well. And then the uh, Hocker one, the sort of one that looked like big sort of, uh, as my children call it, Japanese lady trainers, which probably offensive on a couple of grounds but uh, seems a decent enough description you yeah, know massive massive sole on them the uh, hocker jaws uh, have one downside which is that they dye your feet blue um gabor who recommended them to me promised that that would stop after five wears but i'm about 50 wears in now and my feet are still blue so uh, um doesn't really matter i suppose but yeah i'd rather not look like a junior smurf and then some uh, on the socks front uh, yeah i've always worn the hilly socks which seems to be fine um yeah, so I think that's a footwear sort Morning, Bob. Uh, it's Mark here. Um, Friday morning and... What time is it? Quarter past seven. And I'm flogging myself on the steepest hill around here called The Grind. Sort of 80 metre, sort of straight up thing, like Cloughhead head, basically. And I uh, just thought I'd share the pain, really. Tanner runs up this bloody thing. I'm basically crawling up it on my hands and knees but anyway um so i've been doing quite a few reps of this and there was beautiful bird song in the background but i'm near luton airport so there's a plane going over now it's a bit of a shame it's um 12 minutes to 10 on uh, good friday night and i've just listened to a couple of uh, podcast updates from mark and it uh, inspired me it reminded me that i haven't actually recorded anything for myself for the sort of training diary so um it's been, and it's actually been quite monumental for me. I, I ran uh, on our Easter break. We were in a safari tent, very la-di-da glamping in the Purbeck Hills in Dorset. And I went out uh, leaving my family behind uh, on three occasions over the two nights that we were there. Uh, I managed a half-hour run on the first night just to sort of make sure I knew the route up the hill then I got up at the crack of dawn the following morning and I ran for three hours uh, around various bits of the southwest coast path and over some Purbeck hills so there's some good up and down and nice rough terrain it was drizzling and misty and foggy all through the entire three hours so that was good preparation I feel as well the problem I've got uh, is that uh, you know by the end of that three hours, I was knackered and um, kind of limping in. So it's a bit daunting to think about 24 hours. I'm nowhere near that. Yeah, I was encouraged by what I did, but also it's quite easy to get a bit depressed by feeling how far off I am. Having listened to Mark's training little diary updates, I think he's obviously in way better shape than I am and, and also just better prepared. But I am back running again without injury, so take the positive. Alright, I'll stop waffling now. Hi, and welcome to our podcast about the Bob Graham Round. A 66-ish mile run in the Lake District up and over 42 of England's tallest mountains in under 24 hours. Recorded throughout 2018 and 2019, this is an audio account of a year preparing for and attempting the BGR. These are our Bob Graham sounds.
Steve and Nikki. Leave us a message. Hi, Nikki. It's Bob. Just calling for a, a catch-up, and I'll try that mobile number and hopefully speak to you soon. OK, bye. News. I've gone as vegan as Nick. In that, I fully embrace the principle. But my delivery is imperfect. Hooray. I am now vegan at home and treat myself to meat and fish an average of 1.75 times per week. When out on work lunches... It has not been possible to connect your call. Please try again later. It is Friday, the... looks on the calendar... 26th of April. I don't know how many days it is to the BGR. It is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks to go. 49 days. Gosh, that seems short. And uh, it is big, for me, it's big training day number two of my return to proper running. Um, did that three-hour shot around the Perbex. And today I'm going to run a 25 or so mile section of the South Downs Way from Amberley in Sussex back to Petersfield in Hampshire. So I'm going to catch a train in 25 minutes to Amberley Railway Station, sort of partway along the South Downs Way, and then uh, run back up to Petersfield and get the train home from there. Uh, so I'm just making my little bit of breakfast for the train journey, just done the school run. Old injuries that I'm most worried about. I have been okay. I've been really looking after my Achilles, uh, despite quite a lot of cycling and and some obviously that recent return to proper running. That seems to be holding up okay. He says just gingerly feeling it now, and it seems to be okay. Had a bit of a sore right hip since then, but I think that's just getting used to running again. Uh, that doesn't seem too bad today. And then the other thing uh, that's just started niggling this morning, so I've taken some ibuprofen. Uh, is a sore knee. I don't think it's anything sinister. So, um, yeah, a bit nervous about today because I'm attempting to do a long way, but I've got all day to do it. And if I need to walk bits, that's fine. Uh, I'll speak to you later and let you know how it went. This episode should be quite straightforward. We'll keep up to date with those springtime training diaries of Mark, Beanie, Tim, me. Plenty of people remembered to record this month. And I finally get through to Nikki Spinks to talk to her about another of her remarkable double rounds. Hello. Hi, is Nikki there, please? Just hang on. Thank you. And those Barclay Marathons. Hello. Hi, Nikki. It's Bob. Oh, hi. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Now you've um, you work on a farm. I guess things don't run exactly to time all the time. So. No, I was uh, just out looking around the cows. Is all well on the farm? Oh yeah, yeah, it is. A week or so ago, you did a double Paddy Buckley. How are you feeling? Uh, a little bit recovered now. I've been for two runs. Yeah, the first one was fairly nice, and then last night I felt fairly heavy, but that's usual, really. Okay. Um, so I'm and doing Dudden Fell Race tomorrow, and that'll be a fair test. But I'll just set off very steady. Yeah, 18 miles and, I don't know, 2,000 metres of climb, so maybe a bit of a shock to the body. Yeah. Which bit of the running cycle do you enjoy most? Do you love the training? Do you love the event? How do you feel post-event? You know, which bit of the sort of whole cycle of things do you probably feel most comfortable in? Well, the training's good. I, I really enjoy going to Wales and, and recceing. And the same with 
you know, the Ramsey and the BG, I, I really go, enjoyed the recceing. You never feel like you've done enough recceing. The sort of two weeks before you actually attempt is always a little bit not pleasant. Um, and then afterwards, yeah, it's a great feeling now to, to be tired, but no, you've done it. Yeah. Very satisfying. When we spoke last time, you'd said that the Paddy Buckley was your favourite round. Is it still? Uh, yes, yeah, it is. And anti-clockwise isn't bad. There's a couple of horrible ascents, but um, most of it's... I was quite pleasantly surprised, actually. It's not just really the hills that are there, but it's lovely and quiet on most of the hills apart from Snowdon. It's Wales I like as well. <laughs> the lovely little buses that get you about everywhere and the decent fish and chip shops and the free parking. <laughs> no, I, I, lo- I love sort of North Wales and, and the Paddy Buckley route. It's so sort of different, every leg. You know, you get the really long legs, the sort of gnarly, heathery, boggy legs, and then the short, sharp legs, like the Nantal Ridge, where you're just up, down, up, down all the ways. Only about 14 miles, but just sort of packs its little punch in there, and it's really beautiful on the ridge as well. Snowden's probably my least favourite because you meet more people there, and it's just a big lump. It's sort of new and exciting when you first go there and you explore things like quarries that you don't find in the Lake District, which just add a sort of huge dimension of history onto it. And you were the first to do a double Ramsey. Has anyone done a double Paddy before? No, not that I know of or anyone else knows of. So, um, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, another first. And uh, do you feel that you've sated your appetite for doing that length of thing or are you still looking at those sort of enormous endurance things for your target well i've entered the tour de giant so that's even longer and further so yeah you get 100 it's 300 kilometers and you get 150 hours to finish which yeah is way over what i've done so far 24,000 meters of climb so i did 17,000 on the paddy so the climb's not really freaking me out because i could have done that after the paddy my legs didn't feel too bad. My feet were a little bit battered, but yeah, then again, you've got to—I've got to manage my feet. Um, and it's a race, so it's not the same. I don't have support helping me all the way round. But yeah, no, I've kept going. <laughs> okay, I'm out on my South Downs run uh, on Harting Down. I'm about halfway through today. It's uh, 25 miles so far, so good. And uh, no injury, no sunburn, and uh, no rain. Making progress, like everything's a bit sore, stiff still, and I'm realising that you know it's just uh, it's just quite boring and quite uh, hard work just keeping running. So actually, some of the uphills where I walk, it's welcome relief, and um, it might be that you know that I mean that is kind of the pace of the day when you make an attempt to uh, run down and walk up. Uh, the South Downs Way is so gentle that you could really run a lot of it. Most of it doesn't get very steep. Uh, but it's undulating and it's rough. And I'm doing quite a long way, longer than I've run or walked in a long time. So, uh, so far so good, the sun is shining. And uh, I'm feeling optimistic. Hi Bob, Kit update number two so it did the feet i guess on the on the legs um i've concluded i think tight to the way to go and the critical bit is the uh, the underwear so i've got um the merino rumderwear which is uh, a phenomenon um like being gently cradled 
as you uh, traverse the mountains um, and unlike my trainers don't turn the contents blue which is uh, which is good top off um, I think is I just like the lightweight rab tops with long sleeves and then a three quarter length zip because you can kind of go from yeah, covering up most of your top half to actually um, getting quite a lot of ventilation running up your sleeves and undoing the zips. So I think that's that's pretty good, pretty good compromise. Now you probably know all about the Barclay Marathons, but just in case you don't, or you've forgotten, or you like sixty-second musical-based fact files, here's the Barclay Marathons in a minute. <sighs> The Barclay Marathon's off-road ultramarathon is held in Frozen Head State Park in Tennessee, organised by Gary Lazarus Lake Cantrell. No, I have no idea either. The race was inspired by the 1977 escape of James Earl Ray, the assassin of Martin Luther King Jr. from nearby Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Ray only covered eight miles after running 55 hours in the woods. Laz thought, I could do at least 100 miles, and thus the Barclays were born. Only 40 runners can take part each year. Most years no one finishes. The course is five loops of a roughly 20-mile course with a cut-off of 60 hours. The first loop is clockwise, the second anti-clockwise and so on. Your fifth loop is the opposite of the runner who's ahead of you. It takes place in late March or early April. The weather is atrocious. Laz tries to make it as tough as possible. The route changes slightly each year and you only have access to the map for one hour prior to the start. The race can begin at any point in a 12-hour window from midnight. You get an hour's warning when he blows a toot on a conch shell. He starts the race by lighting a cigarette. And there's a good film all about it on Netflix, which will tell you more at a more leisurely pace. The last time I spoke to you, you had got a place for the Barclay Marathons, which obviously since we've since we've spoken, you've you've gone and um, participated in. Uh, but it was another. Barclay Marathons where no one finished uh, yes. the second yes. year in a row where that's happened uh, I watched the film about it you know that's on Netflix from a few years ago uh, just recently because I'd heard about it but I hadn't hadn't watched it so I, I sort of feel now like I understand all the eccentricities of the, of the events and you talked me through some of the entry uh, eccentricities last time how, how was it then to to go and participate in it yeah, it's slightly surreal to actually get there because there's so many hurdles to jump over before you got there. To actually get there and start was a, a big, huge relief. I hadn't slept the night before because, it, you know, he's got 12 hours to blow the conch and he blew it at eight, half eight in the morning. So, of course, I was just sort of awake most of the night because we're in a campsite and you don't sleep and I just wish we'd set off anyway. Setting off was great and actually... I suppose having daylight for your first loop was was the best way because at least it meant we could I could see and look about and I, th- I think all virgins try and find someone that's done it before to sort of lead them around a little bit and the veterans don't mind it's, it was sort of so strange for me to be following somebody because I'm just sort of you know on the rounds and on my races I like to know where I'm going I've usually got them, well, I always had a map in my hand, but I usually sort of have a rough idea of where I'm going as well, whereas Stephanie Case was just so, she knew where she was going most of the time. Stephanie Case, ultra runner, lawyer, UN human rights and founder of Free to Run. Heart in Chamonix, works in Afghanistan, occasionally writes for Outside Magazine. She's at Running Case on Twitter, and she was the veteran runner that Nikki teamed up with at the Barclays. You could just go on a direct bearing, but there's also, like, either side of a stream would make a big difference as terrain, and she knew 
stuff like that. So um, we kept a company for the first loop. We had a good time. It was me, Billy Reed. He was new as well to it all, and we'd latched on to Stephanie and, and got and did did the whole loop, the first loop together, and then went out on the second loop. And that's when the, well, none of us had taken enough clothes. We were all absolutely frozen. So. It was uh, time to pack in. But we left it, well, I didn't leave it to Steph. I was really hoping, I really wanted to pack in. Um, but I just thought I'm not leaving her out here on her own since she showed us all the way around the first loop. So I was sort of jogging on the spot behind her, trying not to make her think I was just doing this because she was going slowly because she wasn't. It was just I was so cold, I was trying to stay warm. And then she stopped and she just said, look, guys, I've got to be honest, um, I'm absolutely frozen. I think we should pack in and shoot. And yeah, I was like, we were all, both of us just said, yeah, 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 let's do. And then how long did it take you to get back to the start from where you'd, oh, where you'd left? Three hours. Right. Because, of course, Laz gives you these watches that are set to zero when you set off. So after 24 hours, your brain's a bit fuddled and you don't really know what time it is. But, you know, you set off at half nine, so you added nine and a half hours onto whatever it said and that was the actual time of day but the further into the round it got you got it was more difficult than that yeah and 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 all those um all those slightly confusing elements to it you know that he sort of puts in to uh, disorientate yeah. the participants and and try and make it more of a, a challenge did you did you enjoy all of that, or was it out of your usual comfort zone where you've planned and organised all the logistics around an event? I think I just realised that the only way to sort of deal with it is to not get bothered about it. So like the lack of sleep the first night, I just you know, wasn't getting bothered about it. I read my book a little bit and just rested, because the more you get bothered about it, the more it will affect you, your performance. And, and how you are so you need to set off fairly just chilled with it all one of the things that i got from the film which is you know it's a nice thing to watch but it's not a beautiful area particularly or it doesn't look it on the on the film and and a lot was made of the awful brambles and things that you're yeah. scrabbling through and everyone's legs getting ripped apart is it um the worst terrain you've run on how does it compare to other places <laughs> Well, as being part of Dark Peak, we have this thing like in winter called the warting runs where we go running in the dark with head torches and quite a lot of the mentality is that you just go in a straight line. And some of the valleys around here could be quite steep and you'll drop down to a river. And I just, it, it was just about doing 24 hours of, of that sort of stuff. But you just wouldn't voluntarily run through brambles in England and that's what you have to do when you're on a compass bearing. Because you, yeah, the brambles are sort of everywhere on the forest floor. They call them briars, so they're more like rose bushes. They go straight up, and they don't all have the very sharp things on them. In fact, the worst area was where they'd cut them down on the uh, the way up to the fire tower, because then they were all like in big tangles, and they got wrapped round your legs. But I wore, I got some orienteering gaiters, bramble bashers, they call them, and well, the orienteers do. And they were a godsend. They just saved the bottoms of my legs. And then my thighs got trashed because I had to wear sh- I wore shorts during the day. But when I put my longs on, that wasn't too bad overnight. You know, the brambles didn't... I thought the brambles would sort of dig into the lycra, but they didn't seem to. They seemed to brush off. So it was really bad. And I've got... I wore cycling gloves 
on my hands, like fingerless ones, because I'd seen other people on photos doing that, and that helped a lot because as you, as we were sliding down the hills, you needed something to stop you, so you were grabbing hold of whatever, just reaching out and grabbing hold. And sometimes, if you got a briar, that would have been really painful. But those cycling leather cycling gloves were brilliant as well so you just feel it seems like you've uh, learned a lot and would you do it <laughs> yeah. again would you go back i'd like to yeah i mean uh, <laughs> it's funny as we were walking down after we decided to quit steph said to me you know are you coming back and i'm no this is a rubbish race i'll never come back <laughs> yeah. she says wait wait till next week and it didn't even take a week the next day i was like yeah but if I'd taken more warm clothes, then we would have done this. And now that I know the route and now this, and I should try give it another go. So but it's all down to Laz as to whether we get in again so I'll, or to try and go through the entry process again. Yeah, and and there is that sort of tantalising target of the fact that no, so far no woman has, has completed it. Uh, yeah. So th- that, that would be a nice a nice a goal for you. Yeah, it would. Um, I think the, the first goal would be the fun run, the three loops, and then, yeah, Because, <laughs> like, Laz is... He says he's not making it harder, but the statistics are that less and less people are finishing it. Oh. Right, listen to this noise. That is the sound of someone with a sore groin muscle. Some kind of strain after yesterday's long run down the South Downs. It went really well. I ran 28 and a half miles, which I'm really pleased that that went okay. I never would have thought, actually, I'd be running 28 miles without any injury, he says, with that sore groin. But I think... I think that should be okay. I really felt like my running technique was really helped by Helen's wisdom. Just There were little bits about my technique, about my style, my posture, where I felt very comfortable running a long way and it didn't feel like it was really taking its toll. So I think just building up a bit more uh, resilience in some of my muscles and joints to the hammering that running puts them through is all I need. I was delighted with my vest and my rucksack. I so said my kit is okay. My shoes were much more comfortable this time than they were last time, so I think they're breaking in a bit. And food discoveries. Wraps are loads better than bagels. And fridge raiders. Little manky processed bits of factory gloopy chicken blobs. Ugh. Normally I would run a mile from such things, but my son likes them in his packed lunch I nabbed a little bag of them and they were not bad salty and damp enough to be palatable and eatable quite quickly without needing to guzzle loads of water Uh, and just in a good sort of little portion size so I think I might go with that it won't please the vegans in the group but um, I might stick with it just finished the Yorkshire Three Peaks Fell Race which is uh, 23 and a half miles taking in about 5,300 feet of up and down over the Yorkshire peaks of Pennygent, Burnside and Ingleborough and I took it pretty steady until the summit of Wernside, which is about halfway around, that was the plan and then managed to push on pretty well actually for me um, 
going well off the summit of Ingleborough, overtaking people pretty steadily. And then with about four miles to the finish, clipped my left toe at the end of my lanky left leg, took a pretty heavy fall um, and cut my knee and left side up pretty badly and ended up hobbling home in a bit of a sorry state. Um, however, I finished. Uh, lesson learned was to concentrate, keep my feet up, um, and actually, I'm in pretty good shape. Had a decent 2019 so far, and just have to keep on doing miles and hills. Uh, so I fail right reasonably optimistic about my fitness um, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing how Mark and Beanie are uh, Beanie is doing the three peaks race today, I feel like he could do the attempt with us this time, I really do I don't know why he doesn't want to do it Mark I'm sure is in great shape, so it'll be interesting to see how I compare to them and then the final bit of kit I guess is the other stuff so I'm, I'm hoping that my sport runners are going to basically carry uh, everything I own um, over the course of the five legs um, and will just provide it to me at a moment's notice. But I, um, I, I think I'll be using the naked uh, waistband thing, which is quite good just for holding the odd bits and bobs. Um, and I've got some lovely uh, lightweight Montane uh, gloves, uh, and I've always got a uh, fairly rancid by by the point of running uh, buff to uh, to wipe up the sweat or snot or whatever else. And then finally, probably have some poles. I've got some quite good cheapy Chinese things at the moment, which are really cheap, but they're quite sturdy, but they're probably a bit heavy to expect everybody else to carry. So I'll probably get some lightweight poles before the, before the big day. And that is it. I'll be supporting Mark and hopefully Bob for at least a couple of legs this summer. Um, ran with Mark a couple of weeks ago, and I am... Um, pretty convinced that he's going to complete this summer he's in good shape physically I do think he's mentally tough and I think that that is more than half the battle so I am pretty sure he will complete because he's now got the combination of miles done hills done enough reckeys um, and the mental will to see it through come what may <clears throat> Bob, I am less sure about right now. I think Bob has set himself a mammoth challenge, not helped by injury. So I suspect that he is way behind Mark in terms of miles run and feet ascended and descended. So what he's going to need to do is give himself a sliver of a chance is to follow the Tim Hale method which is to really 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 pulverise yourself in the two or three months before the Bob which Tim did amazingly last year and that got him round the question is can Bob do the same I dearly hope that he does it but it's a massive ask at this stage we'll see it's Tim Hale, it's the 28th of April and amazingly there's just over um, seven weeks until 
uh, Bob and Mark's uh, attempt. So and that, that's going to be honest in in no time. Um, I've been feeling in great shape at the start of the year. Been getting um, uh, PBs in in five k, ten k, and half marathon, which I was really really happy about. Um, but uh, my little boy, who was you know such a source of inspiration for my own Bob Graham round. He started at nursery about eight weeks ago um, and has brought lots of germs uh, back to the household. So my, my, he, my wife and I have all been um, suffering with, uh, with with various illnesses. Fitness has, has dipped. You know, I was hoping to do the three peaks with, with Nick yesterday, but um, Harvey had been ill this week. And so, yeah, it wouldn't have been appropriate to, to leave... Um, leave wife and, and boy at home over the weekend so um so i need to get back on it now uh, make sure I'm, I'm i'm fit enough to give mark and bob the uh, the support that they deserve and that i owe them from from last year and, and the fantastic support that they gave me i mean there's similarities with the bob graham where that is one of the attractions of it is that it, it's not a big organised event, and you have to sort it all yeah. out all out yourself and do and do do it all on your own. We had a kind of conversation the last time we were up wrecking about things that could derail your round that you had you'd never thought about. And, and someone was saying, "What yeah. about what about if your lace snaps on your on your shoe or something like that? How kind of belt and braces are you about spares of of kit and extras?" I have what I call a useful bag. And it has stuff in it that would hopefully fix anything. I mean, obviously it's at road support, but it has like gaffer tape in it and laces, string, scissors, needles, um, like sewing stuff. Just in, and yeah, basically stuff that I think would be needed to fix, so even super glue, um, <laughs> anything. And then I tend to have a spare like shoes and a rucksack or. or you know, whatever I'm carrying in that way. So, yeah, I don't have spares of absolutely everything, but because 99% of the time you don't need them, but then, like, on the Bob Graham record where I cut my hand, the first thing I asked for was the useful bag because I knew there was some various amounts. It had first aid in there as well, so various amounts of, like, tape that could be used to stick my hand back together. <laughs> so every now and again... The useful bag comes in useful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good uh, advice. And and when you're a contender, do you carry much yourself? Do you like to have some things on you? I usually have the option of a little rucksack. So overnight, my head torch battery is pretty heavy. So I have that in one of those um, Innovate race vests, and that has other pockets. So on the night section, I tend to if somebody gives me some food instead of and I don't eat it all. In, I can just put it away. And also, if I'm carrying a map or anything, um, I've got loads of pockets in that skirt that I wear. And usually the map and bits of food, like some jelly babies, can go in there. I've got enough pockets for that. But overnight, I'll put it in. And then sometimes, like on the paddy, I definitely thought that I might need to carry a rucksack because if you can imagine across to Bowfell and, and across, well, from Bowfell, really to the finish you're on fairly rocky stuff and it's fairly hard for a supporter to get near you because it's a sort of single track rocky path and they're dodging around on the rocks as well so that's the sort of place where i think i might carry a bit more 
food on me. But generally, I don't, you know, carry the ruck, a rucksack all the way around. I mean, that's one of the benefits of having the support that you've trained with a heavy rucksack, so you take it off your back and you feel quite light. Yeah. A lot of people set off on the first leg with a little rucksack to see how it goes, and then if they find they're using it, they keep it on, and if they find they're not because the support are doing everything, they can put it, take it off at Freckeld or at Dunmail or... That's what I find most people, most dark pee people try and do. And also on the first leg, if you're short of support, that's where you only really need one because you're fairly fresh yourself and fairly with it. So it might be worth just setting off with it and seeing yeah. how you feel. Well, it's been really calming to talk to you about the BG and very interesting to hear all about the Paddy and, and the Barclay. So um, thanks ever so much for chatting yeah. to me again or when you get a tracker or whatever if, you, if, you, if you've got one or yes, however you're have, yeah. doing it then yeah let us have the link it's um, Saturday morning the 4th of May and I feel rubbish it's 10.35 and I've um, I got up and um, went for a run this morning uh, so the last time I ran was Last Friday, and I did that 28 and a half miles along the South Downs Way, and then a couple of days moving concrete and digging in the garden and things like that. Five days of work, which meant cycling there and back, so 44 miles a day, and then we're to here Saturday morning. So I got up and went to my nearest hill, and I ran for an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, sort of walking up some of the steep bits and back down and up and down and yeah, it's nice it's that noisy bit above the motorway but um, after the long run I had that groin pull and it's just come back really you know, it had eased over the course of the week but obviously it hasn't quite gone away and so yeah, the right side of my groin just hurts so I don't know what to do whether to because I, what I thought was just the logical, I need to run as much as possible. So when I'm not cycling to work, I was going to run today, I was going to run Sunday, bank holiday Monday, and then I work in the week, and then I go up to the Lake District and uh, run big with Mark and Beanie and Matt. But um, now I don't know, do I not run for the next two days? and see if I can recover better or do I just tough it out the other thing that is hard is family life You know, uh, if you want to do the BGR be prepared for the fact that it constantly annoys your partner and constantly takes you away from things that you probably should be doing and it's a difficult one to navigate I'll leave it at that I think 